Hey, did you guys enjoy last Sunday, the anniversary Sunday? Can I get a round of applause? And that round of applause is directed to God because the most exciting thing about that whole weekend, even though it was a lot of fun, was to see what God is doing, how he's changing lives here at Whitestone. If you could uh, give me the first slide there, Glenn. There were several things that were really cool, and I just want to touch on a few of them. The first one were the personal testimonies. We had people that stood up and told their story and did a phenomenal job. We had people that were interviewed by Pastor Luke, and then we had uh, uh, some video testimonies that were just powerful. And the reason they were powerful was because the people were real. They were open, they were honest, and they were vulnerable. And we can all relate to that. And also, there was a really sweet mix of testimonies. I am quite certain that everyone there could directly relate to one or two of those testimonies. It hit them right where they're living. And so it was, it was just phenomenal to, uh, to see these uh, people come up and share what's happening in their lives. Another part of the testimonies were what we called cardboard testimonies. And I had several people tell me that this was the highlight of the, uh, the whole event. It was right at the end of the service, for those of you who weren't there, and one at a time, people came up and held up a cardboard, and on one side, it said what they either were dealing with or had dealt with, and then they flipped it over, and it told very specifically and very briefly how God had dealt with those issues. And the really cool part was when, I think there were 28 cards, when they all got up there, and you can see at the bottom picture up there, the power of seeing 28 people who were willing to come forth and share, very briefly, just in a few words, their testimony. And you know what's even cooler? I have no doubt we could line up 28 more people today and have 28 different testimonies. Next week, 28 more. The next week, well, we might start to get a little thin on numbers then, but you get the point that it was not just these 28, it was not just the people that gave personal testimonies. God is at work in Whitestone, and it felt so good to, uh, to have those testimonies and witness how things are changing in people's lives. Uh, I want to extend a uh, thanks to a few people. Uh, Luke and Kirk and Julie Breach really did a bang-up job putting this service together. It just ran almost flawlessly. Also, uh, Jake Andrus and Kirk and Megan uh, were the ones that uh, took the videos and then edited them down. Some of those videos were close to an hour long, and somehow they got them down to five to seven minutes, and yet every major point was there. So a special thanks to, uh, they're not professionals, but they did an incredible job of editing the videos. All right, give me the next slide. So we had this wonderful time at the OAC, then we went home and cheered on the Packers, and that was a little tense. But then we gathered out here, and we had a celebration. And wasn't it awesome to see all the people here? We don't know how many were here, but we went through over 500 plates, and so it was a big crowd. And you know, this area right out here is shown in the picture there, and it was packed. There were even more people in here. This room was full of round tables. Every chair was full. At times, the cafe was shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder people. It was just so warm and friendly. And you know what's really cool? Community happened. 
Our name is Whitestone Community Church. And you could just sense it. The friendship, there was a spirit of friendship. New relationships were established. Old relationships were rekindled. We even had families that rekindled relationships at this, uh, at this event. The food was great. The fellowship was great. The kids had a blast. Uh, unfortunately, that water in that dunk tank was really cold. <laughs> but what are you going to do? And in regards to that, I want to thank just a few people. Chuck and Joanne Marsh worked really hard putting that together. And Kathy Schmidt, who's the office manager, she was really good on the details and making sure that things got done. Also, I want to thank everybody that pitched in to clean up. Wow, that was a relief. It was, it was just amazing how the worker bees just kind of came out of the woodwork when it was time to clean up. Okay, there's one other thing I want to touch on in regards to Anniversary Sunday. Didn't it feel really, really good to all worship together? Amen. Yeah, can I get an amen on that? Didn't that feel really good? We literally had people from first service, which if you've never been to a first service, it's not as full as this, say, I didn't know that person came to Whitestone, and that they've been coming to third service for years. And it just felt so good to, to have everybody in one room. You know, we've uh, we filled this building up. We really have. It's being fully functioned. It's being fully utilized. Uh, and the sanctuary really isn't the biggest issue. Uh, there's still chairs here available. There's lots of chairs. Uh, first service. In fact, I would encourage you, if you can get out of bed a little earlier, come to first service. That would help. But when you look at the foyer and the classrooms, I'm sure they're crowded upstairs. We're fully utilizing this building. And so that's really what I want to talk about today. A building is nothing more than a tool. A tool to do what Whitestone was commissioned to do. But at the same time, we believe, the, the leadership group believes, that God wants us to have a fully functional building that can be used to grow God's kingdom. So, that's what I'd like to do today, is just take a look at uh, where we're at. This is not going to be some grand announcement of a building project, but hopefully this message today will set the table and inform you of where the church leadership is at as far as trying to discern where God wants Whitestone to go to extend his kingdom and the type of facility that will best accomplish that. So where do we go from here? Was last Sunday the pinnacle? We all went home inspired and happy, and we got a building that's pretty much full. Can we just sit back and rest? Well, I don't think so. I think maybe we've reached the point a little bit like Charlie Brown here in this cartoon. And I'm sure if you're like me, you've laid awake at night and asked a question like this or something very similar. Why am I here? And so collectively, as a church body, I want to ask us, why are we here? Why did God place Whitestone Community Church in this location and instill the personality that he did into this church body? I think that's a valid question and one that we, uh, we need to ask today before we can start to discern where we go from here.
So where do we start? Well, you know, Pastor Luke likes to hand out candy. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but he throws out these wimpy, tiny little candy bars. Hey. I hold in my hand the best candy bar that God ever invented. Actually, that's not quite right. I think sold in nut rolls are the best candy bars. But where I went to buy this big candy bar, they only had payday. So second best candy bar ever invented. Also, if you happen to be one of the people, and I realize I'm in the minority, if you're one of the people that thinks chocolate has to be included in every candy bar, I've got a Hershey's bar. Okay, here's the assignment. I want you to raise your hand. Don't shout it out. Who can tell me what the mission statement is for Whitestone Community Church? The purpose. Now, not, it's not the tagline, which you'll find on the back of your bulletin, so don't go flipping through pages. Who can tell me what the purpose, the mission statement is for Whitestone Community Church? Paul. Well, that's a pretty good answer. And actually, the mission statement is based on the Great Commission. But that's not what I'm looking for. It's more concise than that. Mark. Make disciples who go and extend the kingdom of God. You're getting closer. There's a couple of elements that are missing there. Julie. Oh, thank you. Let's give her a hand. Are you a chocolate? I knew it. I knew it. I, I figured that uh, if a woman got it right, it would be the chocolate that'd go. <laughs> Guys, if I have any of these left over, we'll break them up and we'll enjoy the, the nut roll. Okay, so here it is. The purpose of Whitestone is to make disciples. But we're not going to stop there. It goes on to say, who understand, live, and extend the kingdom of God. To understand. Those are our instructional classes. That's why Pastor Josh is going to be teaching about the prophets here in a couple weeks. That's why we have bedrock. That's why at youth group there's instruction. We need, that's why we have discipleship classes. That's a huge one. We need to understand how God intends his kingdom to work. And then the second one, to live. How many are in life group? In a life group? Let me see your hand. Okay, I actually thought it'd be more than that because we have approximately 170 people in various life groups. The purpose of those life groups is to fulfill that second part of our purpose statement, to learn how to live within the kingdom of God. That sense of community, how we grow together, how we help each other through various life stuff. And then the final part of our purpose statement is to extend the kingdom of God. Now this can be Malawi, Africa or Mexico. It can be the inner city of Milwaukee or it can be right here in our own backyard. It can be in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family. The purpose of Whitestone is to help you become a disciple and then extend the kingdom of God. And as uh, 
I believe it was Paul said, the mission statement is based largely on the Great Commission, which is on the wall right here. So, have we fulfilled our mission? We had a great time last Sunday. We've seen almost a 50% increase in attendance in the last five years. We are uh, seeing lives change. There were plenty of testimonies last week about lives being changed. Hey, we must be doing a pretty good job here. And we must be growing in our faith because we're seeing some miracles happen. And scripture clearly says miracles do not happen without faith. In fact, in Mark 6, 5, Jesus was, Jesus was unable to perform miracles near his hometown because there was a lack of faith. We're starting to see miracles. Our faith must be growing. So as my good friend Tom Schild, who's probably the most positive person I know, would say, we're in a really good place. And you know what? He's right. We are in a really good place. But let me ask you, do you know any people that are hurting? Do you know any people who you feel would benefit from becoming a disciple of Jesus? Are you fully living God's kingdom? Well, I think the obvious answer is no. And so I think it's safe to conclude that the field is ripe around Whitestone for the harvest. Okay, that's our stated purpose. How do we do it even better? How do we proceed? And is a building possibly, a bigger building possibly involved in how we do a better job of fulfilling this mission statement? How do we know where to go? Well, the obvious answer, and it's a tremendous answer, is to pray and to listen. That's exactly what Luke is demonstrating as he's alone in the wilderness of Arizona. We also need to look to Scripture. Does the Bible say anything about whether or not you should, how you should grow a church, whether you should build a building? Well, as I pondered that, the verse that came to mind was actually the one that Luke preached on just two weeks ago. And it was the conclusion of our Heroes of Faith series from this summer, and he looked at the very start of Hebrews 12. And it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Well, as I said, Luke spoke very eloquently about this passage two weeks ago, putting it in an individual setting. How does this passage apply to us as believers and hopefully, hopefully disciples of Jesus? But I want to suggest today that this passage can also apply to a church body, collectively, all of us together. And so what I'm going to do here is personalize it just a little bit for Whitestone. And now it's going to read, Therefore, since Whitestone is surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let Whitestone throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let Whitestone 
run with perseverance the race marked out for Whitestone, fixing Whitestone's eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Okay, I would like to break this passage down even further, and I've got four topics within this passage that I'd like to cover, and they're all, they're all underlined here. The first one is that it starts with the word therefore. Let's see how well Luke has taught you. When you see the word therefore, what do you do? You figure out what it's there for. And almost always, it's referring to what has preceded it in Scripture. So, chapter 12 of Hebrews starts with the word therefore. Let's go back and look at chapter 11, which are the heroes of faith that we've covered over the last couple of months uh, as we uh, uh, went through the family-friendly Sundays. Also, it goes on to say, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? Now, I'm not even positive that Luke and I are in total agreement on this, but I want to tell you the way that I interpret this, and I'm no great theologian, but this is what makes sense to me. When we see that word, a great cloud, the imagery that often pops into our head is heaven, because, you know, you see the pictures of angels floating on clouds. And then later in this passage, it talks about a race. And so what this has conjured up for many people is this grandstand full of the heroes of faith in chapter 11 and maybe other saints, maybe even some of our relatives who have passed, who are cheering us on and they're witnessing us running this race. Well, I don't believe that's what it means. I think rather than them witnessing us, they witnessed to us. The heroes of faith, the men and women who used the resources that God gave them to step out in faith. This is telling us that because they witnessed to us, we are to try and emulate them. When you go through the list, Noah built an ark. He stepped out in faith using the resources that God gave him. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son in faith using the resources that God gave him. Moses' parents were willing to step out in faith and try to deceive Pharaoh by hiding their baby using the resources that God gave them. And here's a big one. The nation of Israel was willing to cross the Red Sea, stepping out in faith. Tell me there weren't naysayers that day when suddenly they were asked to walk across a sea that had been parted. Okay, let's move on to the next part of this passage I want to look at. It says, let Whitestone throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sin is a biggie, obviously. We could have a thousand messages on sin, and I don't want to, to just push that aside. But for today, I want to focus on the words, everything that hinders. If we are going to be expanding this church, if we are going to grow, if that's God's will, what's the one thing, the biggest thing that can hinder us? I'm thinking disunity, and I'm seeing heads, heads nod. 
we're not all going to agree on what color the carpet is, how big the sanctuary should be, where it should be located, and so forth. But to honor God, we must maintain a sense of unity within the family. That is what will hinder. It says, throw off everything that hinders. If I could encapsulate all the things that could hinder us, that's the one that we have to guard against more than any other. And yes, sin so easily entangles. And that we will constantly have to be on guard against that because we're in a very broken world. But think back to the testimonies that were shared last week. Many of them were people who've overcome a sin problem. So we need to continue to be diligent on that front. Okay, moving on through the passage, it says, Let Whitestone run with perseverance, the race marked out for Whitestone. Perseverance. What is perseverance? Well, the analogy that came to mind for me, it's a little like dealing with a lawnmower that doesn't want to start. You know, it's early in the season and you pull the rope, and it doesn't go. And you can approach this with patience. And I don't know if that guy, if he's praying or swearing up there, but he's obviously waiting for some patience. And that's important. After all, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But we are also called to persevere, to be persistent. And so there at the bottom, I love that Gail's technique, but uh, we're supposed to keep pulling the rope on that motor even if it's not working. And we might need to do more than pull the rope. We might need to change the air filter. We might need to adjust the carburetor. We might need to put new spark plugs in that motor. But we are told to persevere, to move forward. And then a little later in this passage, it talks about the race. What's that talking about? What's that mean? When I was in high school, I went to a really small high school in central Iowa, and we didn't have cross country, uh, mostly because we needed every able-bodied boy to go out for football or we wouldn't have a football team. But we did have a track, and uh, I was a middle-distance runner. Now, middle-distance runners are the people that aren't fast enough to run the sprints and are not dedicated enough to run the long distance, so we're just kind of thrown in the middle. But I ran, uh, they're called 800s now, they were called half miles back then. When I started a race, I knew exactly what the course was. In fact, it was usually a staggered start where you knew exactly which lane you had to stay in. Not only that, the track was perfectly flat, at least if it was an outdoor track, some of the indoors were banked, perfectly flat and you knew exactly when the finish line was coming up. You could see as you rounded that last curve, oh, there's the finish. That's where I'm headed. Well, let's compare that to cross-country racing. Now, you can take a look at the course, study it a little bit. You know where the finish line is, but you're going to find curves. You're going to find uphill climbs, downhill runs. Uh, it's not that perfect level course. And I think that's similar to the course, the race, that God lays out for us as individuals and also Whitestone as a church body. Now, by the way, that uh, bottom picture, that's pretty much what the Whitestone staff looked like Monday morning when they came in after the, after the anniversary. Where this analogy breaks down a little bit is that we don't know where the finish line is of the course Whitestone has laid out for us. But what we do know is that there will be hills, 
There'll be times when we come over the crest of the hill and it's easy running for a while. Maybe we're at that point right now. But there will be curves, there will be climbs, there will be descents. So both individually and collectively, we must run the race with perseverance, even though we don't know what lies ahead. And what is Whitestone's race? What's gotten us to where we are so far? Well, to answer that question, I need to give you just a little bit of a history lesson. And I realize there are many people here today that maybe are visiting or relatively new to Whitestone. So this, uh, for many of you, will be new uh, information. Whitestone Community Church was planted by a man, he was a young man at that time, by the name of Gary Wormeyer. Uh, that happened in the late 1980s. Gary was a very gifted individual, and uh, he was a uh, pastor here for a number of years. When he left, he went to work for the uh, Greater Baptist Conference, which is now called Converge International, and he was head of church planning in the Midwest. Gary was has been responsible for planting hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of churches that are successful today. And so we were very blessed to be uh, a church plant uh, inspired by Gary and Mary Romero. So that was in the late 80s. In 1993, we had been meeting in various schools. Most recently was in the auditorium at the Old Middle School in Oconomowoc, and we found this location. And so seven acres were purchased that included a building. Uh, the old building was basically the cafe, office area, and the loft upstairs. That building was used for a wholesale retail nursery. That was the sales headquarters. So that was in 1993. We bought uh, seven acres. Shortly after that, the owner of the property donated another three acres. So the lot became 10, which takes it out a little beyond the, uh, the community garden out there. Also at that time, the owner of the property gave the church right of first refusal on an additional 43 acres that he owned here. Then in 1996, the barn, there was never livestock in there, but it looked like a barn. That was remodeled and this was added. So 1996, we had a very nice new building. A year later, the owner of the property came to us and said, guess what, I've got a buyer. Do you want to exercise the right of first refusal? It was decided, the elders decided at that time, decided to step out in faith and do just that. And so uh, today we have 53 acres. Now the good news is that as soon as they bought that additional land, we became land rich for a church. 53 acres is a lot of land for a church to have. And we still are land rich. The downside is that we took on considerable debt. And uh, uh, for many years, as the church was growing, the only thing that uh, could be done was to pay the interest on that mortgage. And so very little progress was made uh, knocking that, that debt down. This became an even bigger issue uh, when there had been a change in pastoral leadership and the church started to decline. We were also hit with higher interest rates at that point. And when that 
transition was made in pastoral leadership, one of the first meetings that the elders held was literally to decide whether to put a for sale sign out in the yard. We had debt that seemed almost insurmountable. We had numbers that de declined substantially. Praise God that that elder group stepped out in faith and rather than selling the entire property, we put a little bit more money into this building. We made the cafe, which has turned into the hub of the church. We've spruced up uh, this room, made it more warm and functional, and moved ahead. But at that point, we had even more debt. Another thing that God totally blessed us with, there was a young man on staff at that time who was green as grass, and his name was Luke Dye. Luke was given more responsibility. He was not named senior pastor. He was given more responsibility. And Luke knew nothing about leading a church. But what he did know about was asking God for guidance and listening. And so Luke has, has blessed us uh, and taught us along those lines. About a year later, Luke was named senior pastor. And it was decided to relaunch the church under a new name. And so the name was changed from Countryside Community Church to Whitestone Community Church. And that's what we celebrated last Sunday. It had been 10 years ago, almost exactly, that uh, we relaunched this church as Whitestone Community Church. Well, in the past five years, some good things have happened. We've had substantial growth in attendance and therefore giving. We've also had lower interest rates. And we've also had a renewed commitment to reducing that debt. And in less than five years, we've taken the debt from more than 1.1 million down to about 650,000. But the reality is we have a debt of 650,000. Now, one way that debt could be quickly eliminated would be to sell a portion of the church's land. And through the years, a number of prospective buyers have come forth and uh, expressed serious interest. In fact, we had two prospective buyers that we accepted offers from. One, their financial package fell apart. The other one didn't make it through Summit Plan Commission. So that's always been a possibility that's been on the table. We've also had discussions with some prospective buyers about buying the building and seven or ten acres to go with it. The thought was, if that went through, we would then go somewhere else on the property and build a brand new facility. But there again, it seemed like doors would be open and then they'd be closed. Does that sound a little bit like that definition of persistent, steady progress despite setbacks? We've also looked at the possibility of temporary off-site locations. We even looked at uh, the old Century Grocery Store on Wisconsin Avenue, which would have been a big undertaking. As it turned out, it was uh, way more money than we felt like we could, could put into it. But uh, my point is that it's not for a lack of creativity that we're faced with a crowding issue today. So to accommodate this growth, several things have been explored, but here we are today. The elders over the past couple of months, well, they, we've been praying about it for a long time, but over the past, past couple of months, 
we've increasingly felt led that what God wants us to do is to add on to this building in some way. We're praying diligently on how to do that. We've also commissioned a architect to give us some conceptual ideas on how that could happen. One of the things the architect did was to come in and spend time and uh, uh, talk about the personality of Whitestone. And the thing that he came away with was the incredible unity, the relationships, the community that is present in this church. So above all else, he said, you need to create areas where conversation can happen, where relationships can be built, call them community areas if you want to. In his opinion, and I happen to agree with this, that's way more important than having a big fancy sanctuary. That we have places where we can gather and be a family and go through life together, share our testimonies with each other. And so that, I, I can almost assure you, will be one of the priorities if we decide to move ahead. So the, uh, an architect has been commissioned. We expect, it, I'd say, in the next month or so to get some results. At that point, then, we will take a look at uh, whether we want to proceed, whether we sense that God wants us to proceed, and there will be uh, uh, more of an unveiling at that point. In the meantime, what can you do? Well, you can certainly pray. Pray for unity above all else. We do not want this church family to be split by what will end up being tough decisions. And if you do feel led that now's the time that you can help financially, there have been two designated accounts set up. One is for debt reduction and the other is for a building fund. So that's where we're at. But I want to back up. If you can give me the verse again, Glenn. Let's look at the last thing that's underlined there. Fixing Whitestone's eyes on Jesus. Folks, if we don't stay focused on Jesus, all the planning, all the possible fundraising, all the work that has and will go into this is for naught. It's a waste of time. We must stay focused on Jesus and making disciples who are committed to following him. That has to be our number one priority. If we ever get to the point where we're worshiping a building, where a building is making ministry decisions for us, or maybe dad is making ministry decisions for us, we have failed. We have failed to fulfill that purpose statement. We have failed to fulfill the Great Commission. We must, as this verse clearly says, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's, let's pray. Oh, Father God, even though sometimes it feels almost overwhelming, we thank you for where you have this church body today. You've given us an opportunity to step out in faith. And Lord, we just plead for clear direction on how that should be done in a way that keeps our focus on you, in a way that keeps unity in this church body, a church body that you made to be this way and that you named Whitestone. 
Oh, Lord, we, we turn it all over to you. Put our personal desires aside and make this happen for your glory as you see fit. And we pray this in the most powerful name ever spoken. Thank you, Jesus.